Hello, I'm Stu Sensei and welcome to the Stu Sensei English Podcast, the place that helps you unlock your English ability. Let's crack on with the show. Hello, welcome to the Stu Sensei English Podcast with me, Stu Sensei. Today I have a special guest and it's Kate teacher Kate. She's from Canada and she's going to be talking to me about how students can improve their spoken English at home. Okay, so many students come to us with a range of questions, but recently I've been getting a lot of questions about uh, pronunciation. Uh, do you have any questions from your students that you regularly get in regards to pronunciation? Yeah, um, I think when it comes to pronunciation, pronunciation is really specific to the country where we come from right? Like we yeah. pronounce English through how we've learned languages. So for example, in Korea, they don't actually have the letter V. Mm. So when they, when they see words that have V in them, they create like a B and W together with, to them is B, which is the closest thing in their language that they can get to the letter V. So as an outsider, I'm like, okay, I'm from Canada and I want to teach you how to say the word victory. And they're always like, okay, victory, victory. Like, no, 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 victory. And they're like, I don't understand here. So I think really we just have to remember that there are going to be things outside of ourselves, like coming in from our culture, from our language, from things we've already learned since we were babies that will impact the way that we speak. That coming down to grammar, for example, like as a Canadian, I can't imagine a world where there's more than one version of the word the. However, you talk to any German and they're like, well, there's obviously three. <laughs> there's der, die, and das. And in my in my version of, of English, there's only one the. So you can't be wrong if I use one here and one there. But for Germans, it's absolutely wrong, right? So So our culture and the language that we learn absolutely plays a huge part. I think what we really just have to, it's like recognizing that and then listening to the way that others pronounce the word. So you're listening to the rhythm of the word, for example. And I mean, we, you know, we see this all the time on social media and Instagram and all that, the difference between record and record, right? So you're going to hear tricks like this. We go, okay, so it turns out one has the record, like to record as the verb and record is the thing. Now I know that I can pay attention to it a little bit. And when I hear it, I try and follow the rhythm of the word. And that to me, you know, when I start doing that in any of the other languages right now, my main focus is German. Um, but when I hear, like, I remember at one point with my, a neighbor, I was saying, hoffentlich, which is like, hopefully. Mm -hmm. And then she said immediately afterwards, she said, yeah, hoffentlich. And that was like, yes, hopefully. So oh. we were like agreeing, yeah, okay, something. But the ha was the accent, not the int. Mm. You know, so different I was different. I was mispronouncing it. And I don't know if she was trying to correct me or if she was just saying it back. And then I realized that I was putting the accent on the wrong place. And now now I focus on putting the accent at the front of the word instead of the end of the word. So hoffentlich instead of hoffentlich. <laughs> yeah. Mm. So, yeah, so focus, focus on the rhythm of the word. And then I would also say, you know, like I did in that story with the hopefully, say it out loud a couple of times, like now that you've recognized there's a mistake there, say it out loud a couple of times the correct way, so that when you need it again in the future, you say it the correct way. And if you say it wrong, you like 
repeat yourself the correct way. Because I think really like people can correct us if, if we just let it come in one ear out the other, it doesn't matter. We're the only ones who can really correct the way that we speak. Yeah. So if you see yourself saying it the wrong way, you then say it the right way to like form a new pathway. (laughs) And then hopefully over time, it like, that is the new pathway you stay on. And now I don't, I don't mispronounce the word, the word Hoffentlich probably mispronounce a hundred other words, but at least that (laughs) one other word, that one word is fine. I know that for sure. (laughs) Yeah. I think the key thing that you mentioned there is two key things. One that you focused on it and two that you actually are teaching your mouth what to do rather than just understanding it and then not doing any output. So for many of my students, I tried to compare this scenario to a child in the playground who just punches a kid and then you don't tell it anything. Right. And you leave it. And then the kid then is going to go to someone else and then punch them as well. You have to physically tell that thing that that shouldn't happen you know, in order to affect it. And the same with your mouth, you know, if, if you've made an error in pronunciation, that thing, that, that moment when people feel very embarrassed, when they realize they make a mistake, just as you've done it, just after Mm -hmm. you've done it, and then you don't do anything is the worst situation. You have to affect it as soon as possible, because really you're adjusting the recall to that error and trying to make it the recall zero so that it's actually doing the correct thing you know yeah. so we do the same with vocabulary you know like you remember something after the come oh, i could have used that word and then you remember right. 10 minutes 10 seconds after when you said it oh i could have mm-hmm. said that then but if you actually say it you're forcing that recall limit down yes and then gradually yes. it goes into place so yeah I have I have a story similar to that, but it's very much it's more grammar related than pronunciation, but I think Mm. it works in both ways. Um, So when I was learning German, I actually took a four month intensive course where I was learning German five hours a day for like four months back to back. Um, And at one point they told me a piece of grammar that I would never, never use in English language. Right. And that is that. So, for example, if you use the word because then the next part of the sentence, the verb actually goes to the end of this of the sentence instead of coming directly afterwards. So it's like I went to the store because I something to buy needed. Sure, like past tense in German as well, similar to that, isn't it? Yeah, but it's not because I needed, that needed yeah. goes to the end of the sentence, right? Mm. So for me, this was like, oh my God, I'm never going to do this in real life. Like, like that is just so weird to then remember to put this at the end of the sentence. Um, and a couple of months later, I was out with a girlfriend and we were speaking German and I said sentence with, with that clause and I said it wrong. And then I kind of stopped myself and I said it right. And she's like, I know what you mean. You know, again, all in German, but she was like, yeah, I, I know what you mean. I was like, yeah, but I do want to get it right. And, yeah, exactly. and by stopping myself and changing it, I will make it right eventually. And now, I mean, three, four, five years later, however long ago it was, I don't make that mistake anymore. Because mm. um, you focused it's, on it, yeah? You've, yeah, you've I focused on it. I, I intentionally try to mm. fix that, even though it doesn't make sense to me. I recognize it's correct in German, and I do want to be more correct than not. 100 percent. yeah i understand i think that that kind of routine works for every single skill we learn in life not just for mm-hmm. you know in terms of second language learning you know we do yeah. that with many things like you put the thing in the wrong place at home and then your partner <laughs> tells you that's in the wrong place then yeah. you go to do it then I, oh actually it should be the, it's now the i know <laughs> yeah for sure for sure okay 
Um, what do you suggest that students can do at home in terms of pronunciation? So um, in terms of pronunciation, I mean, so one of the first things that that I always do is, is when it comes to speaking is that I always recommend people read out loud at home. Now, one of the only problems with reading out loud is that you can't always hear the correct pronunciation. So there's a couple things that you can do. First of all, you can put it into Google and you can have them say it, or you can find sentences that you can say that you can also then track and listen to afterwards. So for example, on YouTube, if you're watching videos, you can like put on the subtitles, listen to it and then say it or try saying it and then listening to it and seeing if there's any difference there. Sure. That's kind of like a, a free resource and a, a cheaper way than always having a teacher that can then help you. Obviously a teacher is the most easiest, the fastest way to really improve your language. But if that's not something that you're able to do based on, you know, payments and money and all of that, there are still things that you can do like using YouTube as that fantastic resource. Yeah, 100%. I'd say something similar, but I suggest if they can afford it, audiobooks is useful, um, yes. where you, you obviously you need a book as well at the same time. But if you can, many people have Harry Potter, for example, and you can listen to someone like Stephen Fry read it. So you can read along and then um, start the audio and then see what the difference is. Um, or transcripts from, from podcasts quite useful oh, yeah. for that kind of thing so absolutely but the i think what is a real game changer is recorded yourself getting used to hearing yourself speaking mm -hmm. because then you can begin to tell the difference what do you think yeah uh, there is nothing nothing harder than listening to yourself in a in another language <laughs> but it's absolutely a trick and a, a very very valuable one um because really you know accent accent is hard I feel like accent is hard to get over when you, in your mind, you say something so perfectly and fluently, and then you're listening to yourself back and you're like, is that what I sound like? At least this is my struggle when it comes to German, right? I'm like, I, I can say blah, 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 it's no problem. And then I listen to myself as like, but, 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 like, oh, um, but really you can't get better without practicing and without speaking English. It, you have to say it out loud. I could be theoretically uh, an A or C2 level, university level German speaker, but if I don't ever use it, and like I say in my classes, push it out of my mouth. If I don't push it out of my mouth, I will never get better. So, I mean, yes, following along with an audiobook, messaging yourself, sending, sending messages to a friend um via via you know a speaking partner or a whatsapp partner or whatever these are always just so valuable 100 um and many students talk about fluency these days obviously mm -hmm. that can be broken down into many sections of course yeah. but in terms of spoken fluency um whatever your definition of is of that mm -hmm. you know everyone has a different idea i think in my personal yeah. opinion um what do you think can help people if they want to become more, let's say, more autonomous with their speech? Well, first of all, I love that you've called it spoken fluency, because I think so many people forget that fluent has so many different definitions. And I think everybody's going to have their own definition. If you talk to any learner, unfortunately, what they're going to say is like, perfect. I want to be perfect in English. And perfect in almost any other language is not not impossible, um, but it is a very high goal. It is 
it is like, you know, it's like the people who are like, I want six pack abs and they're like, but I don't want to do any work for it, nor do I want to cut out any sugar, nor do I want to like stop drinking wine or whatever that might be. That's so you're like, okay, in order to get to that level of perfect fluency, what do I have to also do along with it and then cut out along with it, right? So language, language learning is similar. So, okay, if we're going to focus on spoken fluency and where we want to get to, I think for me, my, my understanding, like spoken fluency is my goal here in Germany and with German, right? I want to be able to express myself appropriately using pretty good grammar with a not, not completely Canadian accent there. Like I want to have, I mean, it's probably always going to be clear that I'm Canadian when I'm speaking, that's also okay. But I want, I want people to not just focus on my accent. I want them to be able to focus on my message. Now that, that goal, I think is a wonderful one, but it, it will also like, I want to show the other side of that because let's say I go out with my husband and a bunch of his friends, or I go to a doctor's appointment and I meet like a 65 year old German male who's never left this region. Or if I go to, let's say a, a Thai restaurant, what I'm, getting from other people might not always be fluent so like when you say spoken fluency to me that is me being able to express myself but if that 65 year old German man who never uses uh, who's never learned English and and has medical English if they use language I've never heard before I'm still fluent I'm still spokenly fluent <laughs> right so for me I'm always going to be learning new expressions new words new ways for people to express themselves but for me as long as I can express myself appropriately I'm not making too many cultural mistakes I'm I'm not making grammatical mistakes that are are relatively simple then this to me is spoken fluency and that's my goal I just know in my in my heart of hearts that I'll be learning German for the next 20 years at least. And that's okay too. Because for me, the the fluency is the long, the long game. Right. Yeah. It's not just like, okay, I'm gonna be fluent in the next 30 days. Done. <laughs> it's, it's that's a lifetime. I yeah, I hundred percent agree. And I, I think that confusion with the word fluency, mm. be that because of marketing, which I think is a problem in terms of that one word. Totally. Um, and being that the the image of what we think of when we talk about fluency and the native speaker, which many people compare it to, mm -hmm. an unfair comparison, if you will, I think that it's very confusing for learners. What I tried to do for my students is try to break it down. I say you could. I'm I'm very fluent when I'm talking about sports, but I might not be so fluent if I'm talking about mm, science, for example. Right. And I think right. you can even put it into separate topics and you that way you can focus more of your time on what you need it for mm -hmm. rather than trying to incorporate every single piece of the language depending from where you're starting. You know, yeah. so if you're like a beginner or if you're intermediate, maybe you want to be exceptionally good at the things you need it for daily. So your success rate is much higher rather than concentrating on external stuff. For example, things that you maybe talk about once a year, you know, so that way you can um it's all about success for me and and building mm -hmm. that success rate and um lowering the inconsistencies to not nothing because that's not possible you we all have bad days but right. lowering it to a level where you feel a lot more comfortable and you're 
speech whenever you speak, you know? Yeah, exactly. I mean, when we were looking at houses to buy, the first house we went into, they used all sorts of new new vocabulary, new words that I never heard of before, you know, the different kinds of heating system, for example, or the different kinds of kinds of air or whatever. And the, I mean, here in Germany, you've also got different kinds of walls. So they talk about this kind of thing. And I'm like, what? I mean, it was all new to me, the first four or five houses that we looked at. And now it's like, oh yeah, it has this and this and this. And I don't even know if I know the English translation to the kinds of words that I know. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I mean, I've never, we ended up building a house and I've never built a house in Canada. So a lot of the times people would ask me like, oh, what's the word for this thing? Like this, like part of the floor. <laughs> I, I don't know. I don't know what these floor words are in English. It's just floor. I've never had to think about, you know, the subfloor it turns out to be uh, and all of that. So, I mean, yeah, there's, there's certain kinds of fluency to most things that you talk about, even in your own first language. So that's it for this podcast. If you want to find Kate, you can find her on Instagram at english.anywhere.de underscore Kate. And hopefully I'll get to see you back here for the next episode. Looking forward to seeing you then. Ciao.